So our reading today is from the book of Zephaniah. So first of all, surprise, there is a book of Zephaniah. Um, It's about a guy named, believe it or not, Zephaniah. Um, And and it's this little book. He was a prophet. It it was about three chapters long. Actually, it was exactly three chapters long. And, And so to get a handle on what we're actually talking about in this passage... We need to hop in our time machine and go back uh, 2,600 years to 600 BCE. And so you might remember that two weeks ago, if you were here, we talked about uh, the prophet Jeremiah. And he had this message of comfort to those in the exile, those who'd been hauled off by the Babylons and displaced and taken from their land. And uh, that's right about the time we're going to. If, if you were to think of you know, history as a timeline, then right, Jeremiah and the exile right there, we're going just the thing immediately right before it. And we are going, taking our time machine back, to see a king by the name of Josiah. Now, Josiah is this fascinating character, absolutely fascinating. He's one of all of two kings of Judah that the authors of the Bible actually like. Um, And they loved him so much because he was all about these religious reforms, he was, he was part of this one group. Well, so there were multiple groups at the time, um, multiple visions of how, you know, Judah should do the religion that they've grown up with and, and what Israelite religion should look like. And so uh, Josiah was part of a faction that we may call, let's say, Yahweh alone faction. And so these Yahweh aloneers, they insisted you can only worship the God of Israel. Nothing, absolutely nothing else, just the God of Israel. And so our King Josiah fell within this particular camp and, and of what Judah's religion should look like. And boy, was he a supporter of it. I mean, it, it didn't hurt that, you know, he would have gained a lot of political power from it as well. But putting that aside, there's, you know, he was a firm Yahweh aloneer, And So, because of that, he destroyed all of the altars throughout the land to the other gods, tore them down, and he, well, probably not he, but uh, his people, uh, went and chopped down these, uh, these statues to the other gods, these what he called idols, and just went through and just destroyed every religious symbol of anything that's not the God of Israel. And then because uh, wreaking havoc on everybody who doesn't like, think like him uh, is not, you know, is not enough. He wants to make sure those other religions don't, weren't around any longer, don't come back. And so he went and he killed all of the priests of all those shrines that he'd just destroyed. And then just to make extra sure that it never pops up again, he went and burned human bones on those altars that he destroyed so that they were permanently Unclean, permanently contaminated. And the authors of the Bible, they loved this guy. They loved his reforms. They were big supporters of this Yahweh-only perspective. And boy, did Jeremiah deliver for them, right? They loved him. And do you know who else loved him? Our buddy, the prophet Zephaniah. Our, uh, he was on board because for him, it had to be only the God of Israel. You couldn't pollute yourself with any of these other gods that are around. But here's the thing. Zephaniah ran into an issue. He had an issue. 
because King Josiah was doing all these religious reforms, and it's like Zephaniah was super behind them, right? And just like, finally, the world's going to be fixed. It's going to be better because, you know, our program succeeded. It's passing. It's going into, it's going into place. It's, everything is going to be great now. And then a decade or so passes under King Josiah's reforms and all of a sudden Zephaniah starts looking around and is like, hey, wait, we're not all better. Like, the royalty's corrupt. The, the priesthood, the whole religious establishment is corrupt. The, the other prophets, not me, of course, but the other prophets are corrupt. And, and the judges, the whole, you know, the whole legal apparatus that's supposed to protect you from those other things is corrupt. The whole, the, our, it's not all better. Our entire society is broken. It, it, it is broken and actively harming people, so it cannot stay. It must be destroyed. It's going to be destroyed. And that's what we see in Zephaniah up to this point of our passage this morning. Um, out of the three chapters, the first two and a half are all this kind of thing. It's about, about how the people cannot stay broken, about how, how they cannot stay evil and corrupt and damaging others without consequence. And then we reach our passage for today, which, you know, conveniently is not those judgment passages and the stuff we don't like to look at, but rather it's this pretty part. Because what, what do we have in here? It's about restoration. It's about restoration, right? For the, for the first three quarters of the Bible, of the book of Zephaniah, God says, there's so much evil and injustice in the world that cannot stand. We must get rid of it. We must wipe it out. And yet, in the final quarter of our book, the part we read today, Zephaniah gives us an, and yet... That condemnation, that forcefully fixing the brokenness of society, that is not the last word for him because God will restore you. God will bring you back together and build you up again. Now, granted, it's not going to be the same as it, exactly the same as it was before because right, the society that God puts back together no longer has the injustice the oppression, the exploitation, the unfaithfulness that was so prevalent before that caused all these issues. That's what God was insistent on rooting out. But God will bring everybody back together again. This broken society and broken world will be restored to wholeness. There will be life in the world. The the numerous ways in which people are being oppressed will no longer be, will be no more. This world will be how it should be. And this is the picture that Zephaniah paints at the end of his book. So this first part, where where he's tearing into the people, right, and calling out their evil and injustice that they're doing, just laying into them, right, he caps all of that with this song of hope, this song of promise, this song of restoration. It sits right at the end as if to say, but that's not the end of the story. Now, uh, some of you 
with good memories might find this idea that this, this doom and despair that we see all around you is not the end of the story. For some of you, that might sound familiar from a couple weeks ago because that's exactly what Jeremiah's message was a couple weeks ago, wasn't it? Jeremiah was weeping and lamenting and furious at how people had failed to live up to that which God had created them to be, how they oppressed others, how they become evil. But still Jeremiah said, and yet, that's not the end of the story. And like Jeremiah, we see today our prophet Zephaniah doing that same movement. The people have become evil. The, he doesn't mince words, like excoriating them, laying into them about exploiting people, about not caring for the others around them, right? All that kind of stuff. But just like Jeremiah, there's this section that Zephaniah finishes the book with. This, and yet... And this is what Advent is about. We see all this that's going on all around us, in the world around us. And yet, that's not the end of the story. That's not all there is to life. We see suffering, death, exploitation, oppression, the the ways in which we're living out the worst that humanity can be. And yet... Our faith tells us that's not the way it will always be, that God cares for the victimized, that God has something to say to that situation. We see all this stuff in the world that makes us question and cry out to God, why would a good God create this and make this happen? And yet, Zephaniah wants to make us wants to make sure that we know that God has not abandoned us. God has not abandoned us, even if, like the leaders in Jerusalem, we are the ones doing the evil. Even if God were punishing us. Even if we deserved it. God has not abandoned us. And if we're on the other side of the evil, if, if we're experiencing the brunt of its weight God is on our side. God has not abandoned us. Which is really weird. Because like, so in the ancient world, in the the world of the Bible, um, most times human warfare was also cosmic warfare. And so like, if my army beats your army, then my God beats your God. And why would you stay on a sinking ship, right? Because Clearly, your former God sucks and is a wimp and can't beat anything. And so you need to come over to my God, and who's actually one, you know? Who's actually the strong, victorious God. And so, and remember, the Israelites at this point had just lost a war against the massive Babylonian empire, right? Who creamed them. They're way stronger. And so naturally, the Israelites would... Right? Give up their God for the more powerful gods that just beat them, right? But that's not the case. That's not the case. Yeah, the Israelites are kicked around and beat up like nobody's business. And yet, they have this crazy idea that God is still with us, that 
God hasn't abandoned us, that that's not why we lost. That this God who, who, this very God who just lost is in fact a strong, powerful God who steps into history and makes things right. They hold on to this belief that in fact God is with us and that no matter what defeats happen, God is with us. That no matter how long we're stuck in and bogged down in despair, that God is with us. And so in Advent, in preparation for Christmas, we remember this refrain about God. That's, I mean, that's the meaning of the title we give to Jesus, is it not? Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, this is the entire story of Jesus, is it not? God is with us, never abandoning us, never leaving us, regardless of whether or not we deserve it. So, as we prepare ourselves for Christmas, for the coming yet again of Jesus into the world, may you see how God is at work in your individual life, in the life of this community, and in the life of the world. May it be so.